And as I said earlier, in the book of Genesis, we will see the name Israel. But in Genesis, the land of Israel does not exist at this particular point. I mean, the land is there, but it is not called the land of Israel. As far as the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel has is yet to be developed because it's going to be developed when all of the sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob, all of the families of Israel find their way into Egypt. It is in Egypt that Father is going to develop the nation of Israel, and then he's going to bring them out of Egypt and give them the constitution for the kingdom of Israel. And by the way, this constitution is for the kingdom and its commonwealth, all citizens who will come and join themselves to Israel, as Paul declared in Ephesians chapter 2, when he talks about by grace are we saved, not of works, by grace through faith are we saved. We are saved by grace through faith. And therefore, because of that salvation by grace through faith, we are now brought in to what he later describes the commonwealth of Israel, no longer Gentiles who are far off, but brought near. And now we are the sons of Elohim. And when I say sons, I'm speaking not from a gender perspective, but we are the children of Elohim. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. After a successful second journey to Egypt with Benjamin in tow to secure grain for their father and families to keep them from perishing, the sons of Israel are about to face their greatest challenge. Benjamin's role in Jehovah's plan to bring salvation to the tribes of Israel and begin the process of developing Israel as a nation according to a prophetic promise is almost complete. In this episode, the brothers prepare to leave Egypt and return home when they are confronted with an unexpected task that would set Judah up to exchange his life for Benjamin in his effort to save Israel. Today's study title is To Save Israel. So, let's study. that um, Jacob had sent his sons to Egypt, and in this particular chapter, they have returned to Egypt after a successful second journey with Benjamin in tow. And now, to secure grain to keep their father and family from perishing, the sons of Israel are about to face their greatest challenge. Benjamin's role in Jehovah's plan to bring salvation to the tribes of Israel and to begin the process of developing Israel as a nation according to a prophetic promise is almost complete. And as I said earlier, in the book of Genesis, we will see the name Israel. But in Genesis, the land of Israel does not exist at this particular point. I mean, the land is there, but it is not called the land of Israel. As far as the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel has is yet to be developed because it's going to be developed when all of the sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob, all of the families of Israel find their way into Egypt. 
It is in Egypt that father is going to develop the nation of Israel. And then he's going to bring them out of Egypt and give them the constitution for the kingdom of Israel. And by the way, this constitution is for the kingdom and its commonwealth, all citizens who will come and join themselves to Israel, as Paul declared in Ephesians chapter two, when he talks about by grace, are we saved? Not of works by grace through faith. Are we saved? We are saved by grace through faith. And therefore, because of that salvation by grace through faith, we are now brought in to what he later describes the commonwealth of Israel, no longer Gentiles who are far off, but brought near. And now we are the sons of Elohim. And when I say sons, I'm speaking not from a gender perspective, but we are the children of Elohim. Amen. And so in this particular chapter, as they prepare to leave Egypt and return home, the sons of Israel are confronted with an unexpected test that was set Judah up to exchange his life for Benjamin's in Judah's effort to save his father, Israel. And this is why I called the message to save Israel because of what is going to transpire in this chapter. Joseph's plan, and as we discuss, Joseph didn't seem to have a solid plan, but he was developing his plan as he went. And his plan is still not developed because what we're going to see in this particular chapter is that Joseph's plan is going to be to separate Benjamin from the rest of the brothers. He wants to separate Benjamin from the brothers and keep Benjamin only in the land of Israel. You're going to see this as it unfolds itself. And so there's some things that the sons of Israel is not expecting. But we're also going to find that Joseph is going to encounter some unexpected response <laughs> to what he is doing as his plan developed. In verse one, it says, and he commanded the steward of his house saying, fill the men's sack with food as much as they can carry. Now here, what you're going to find, because when they came up the first time, it didn't put the emphasis on as much as they could carry. But in this particular chapter it says as much as they can carry and put every man's money in his sack's mouth. So he's going to send his brothers away and he's going to send them away to where they could be gone longer than they were the first time. And he says, put my cup, the silver cup in the sack's mouth of the youngest and his corn money. And he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away. They and their asses. And when they were gone out of the city and not yet far off. So they're outside the city, but they're not too far away from the city. Joseph said unto his steward up, follow after the men. And when you do catch up to them, say unto them, wherefore have you rewarded evil for good? Now, Joseph, know they haven't stolen from him, but what it does is that it causes them to, he accused them. And the way he accused them and set things up, it lets me know that he was only after Benjamin. 
is not this it in which my Lord drinketh, and whereby indeed he divineth? You have done evil in so doing? Now, Joseph used this language to keep his brothers from suspecting who he was, because up to this point, he's done a masterful job of concealing his identity. Remember, he's been talking to them through an interpreter. Now, this was mentioned uh, in a couple of chapters ago, but the interpreter is not mentioned anymore because the stage has already been set that Joseph is not speaking to them in their language. He's speaking to them through an interpreter. And there is no indication in any point up to this where Joseph has used divination. But as an Egyptian, knowing that the Egyptians used divination, and of course, this would not be something that would be surprising to his brothers. His brothers don't practice divination, even though they had done some evil stuff. But again, this, I believe, is a way of continuing to cover up his identity so that they would not suspect who he is. And so he overtook them and he spake unto them these same words. Now, you got to understand something. Don't think for a moment <laughs> Joseph sent a servant to overtake all these brothers. Now, it doesn't say that he's got a little small army with him, but use your brain. There's 10 of them, right? <laughs> and one of him, unless, of course, he's got a posse with him, which, again, it doesn't say here, but these individuals know because otherwise, it's like, how you going to send one man out here to take us? <laughs> that ain't going to happen. And so he overtook them, and he spoke unto them these same words, and they said unto him, and they, now notice here, and they said. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. There's 10 of use, right? And then somebody comes along and accuse all 10 of you of doing something evil, which one of y'all going to speak? <laughs> I would be trying to defend myself. My brothers will probably be trying to defend themselves. And so the narrator here, right, says, and they said unto him. And when everybody is talking, everybody's got opinions. Everybody's got ideas. I can suspect they're looking at each other thinking, you know, one, we're not that kind of people, but two, I can't speak for you. I can speak for myself for a surety. And so they said unto him, wherefore saith my Lord these words, God forbid that thy servants should do according to this thing. And again, this verse indicates that several of the brothers are responding to the allegations brought against them and most likely offer various responses and solutions to prove their innocence. And we're going to see at least two. In two responses that became the focus were, with whomsoever of thy service it be found, let him die. And the second, we also will be my Lord's bondman. So what is he saying? Now, now this, is, this is the confidence that the brothers have in each other. And that is, is that I'm not a thief. As long as I've known my brothers, they are not thieves. 
And so I believe that we can all confidently say that if you find your stuff amongst our stuff, now they've already forgotten something. They forgot the fact that the last time they left, the silver was in their bag. They didn't know it was there, right? And when, when they got to the end, one of them opened the bag to feed the animals. It found silver and they didn't find the rest of it until after they got home. And so here it says, whosoever you find it in, let him die. Both let him die. And then secondly, we also will be your Lord, my Lord's bondsmen. So what are they offering? They're offering one, somebody's going to die here if you find it. And two, if you find it, we will all become your slaves. Now that's a sense of confidence that indicates that they did not believe that this was taking place amongst them. The response Joseph's servant accepts was, let it be according unto your words. Now, whose words? Theirs. So these suggestions, these ideas is coming from them, from they. Right? He says, according to what you say is what we'll do. He with whom it is found shall be my servant. And ye shall be blameless. In other words, there's only one person here who has the cup because there's only one cup. And whoever got the cup is the one who's going to be a slave and the rest of y'all can go on about your business. You see what's happening here? Joseph is not after them. He's after Benjamin. And so as I'm looking at this and I'm asking myself, why would Joseph do this? Verse eight, it says, behold, the money which we found in our sack's mouth, we brought again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. We're not thieves. They're indicating like, look, man, remember, we brought the money back. Why would we bring the money back, come and then bring additional money only to be accused of being a thief? How then should we steal out of thy Lord's house silver or gold? With whomsoever of thy service it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bonds. <laughs> Joseph's servants respond to one of the offers from the brothers. He said, now also let it be according unto your words. He with whom it is found shall be my servant, and ye shall be blameless. One of the suggestions was whomever you find the object amongst, he will be your servant. You see, Joseph has set the brothers up, but he only wanted Benjamin. And my thoughts were, it's possible that Joseph was afraid that what the brothers had done to him, they would also do to Benjamin. Because I can tell you that based on the previous circumstance when the brothers came up, and they didn't let Benjamin, Benjamin didn't come up. Joseph already knew he was the favorite. Joseph knew why he was the favorite. Joseph knew that out of all the wives Jacob, Israel had, he only wanted one. That was his mother. That's the only wife he wanted. And so because Joseph was the son of that mom, and then he had a brother, which the fact that the brothers came up without 
indicate that the affection that the father had put on Joseph was now being directed toward Benjamin. And if the affection that Israel put on Joseph got Joseph sold as a slave, what would happen to Benjamin if his dad showed that same type of favoritism toward him? This is my rationale. But what you may not realize here is these brothers are free to go. Then they speedily took down every man his sack, verse 11, chapter 44, to the ground and opened every man his sack. And he searched and began at the eldest and left at the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. When Joseph's servant found the cup in Benjamin's sack, they took Benjamin. Joseph was only after Benjamin and may not have expected the brothers to return to Egypt. Now we know the story, so we overlooked that piece. After all, they sold him into slavery and never looked for him afterwards. So Benjamin's brother or brothers refused to return home without him, knowing what that would do to Israel. So they returned to the city. Now, I don't believe Joseph expected that. It's just, just me. I don't believe he expected that. Then they rent their clothes and laid it every man his ass and returned to the city. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house. <laughs> For he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that you have done? Would you not that such a man as I can certainly divine? <laughs> Still playing that Egyptian role. Judah speaks up and takes responsibility. And Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of thy servants. Now, this particular statement that Judah makes, because remember, it was Judah's decision or idea to sell Joseph into slavery. And it appears that the statement that he's making is that, okay, Benjamin took your cup and hid it, and now God has revealed that, or God has found out the iniquity of thy servants. See, the brothers, remember the last time they actually, no, it wasn't, yeah, the last time when they began to talk amongst themselves, they came to the conclusion, you know, we did some bad stuff and now it's catching up with us. And here is like God has found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. That was his statement. Remember, they were blameless since the cup was with Benjamin, as the servant has said. Now also let it be according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my servant and ye shall be blameless. In verse 17, it says, and he said, Joseph, God forbid that I should do so. What did he say? He says, behold, we are your Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. Joseph responded, God forbid that I should do that. But the man in whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. And as for you, Get you up in peace unto your father. So what is he doing? He's sending them away. Right? 
Again, Joseph's plan is, is not developed from the beginning. It seems to be evolving and becoming more and more clear as each event unfolds. And so what is he trying to do? He's trying to send them back. Go up to your father in peace. You got plenty of food. You got more, as much as you can carry. Go. Now, maybe he expect they would go and, and maybe come back when they run out of food. Understand the time it took for them to go and return. When Israel told the boys to go back up, they said, we ain't going back up because the man said to us, we will not see his face again unless Benjamin is with us. And had you not, what's the word? We could have been up there and back by now. So Joseph is looking at the time span. All of these things are unfolding. And now he's trying to send them back to their father in peace. Joseph did not want them and released them to return to their father, Israel. That's the story here. I'm not making this stuff up, y'all. Verse 18. Then Judah came near unto him and said, Oh, my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ear, and let not thine anger burn against thy servants, for thou art even as Pharaoh. For thou art even as Pharaoh. Now, the Bible says he was Lord of the land. He was Lord over Pharaoh's house. He was Lord over Pharaoh's people. He was Lord over the land. And now his brothers see him as Pharaoh. Judah recounts the conversation they had had before. Then verse 19, Genesis 44 says, my Lord asked his servants saying, have you a father or brother? And we said unto my Lord, we have a father, an old man and a child of his old age, a little one. And his brother is dead, and his brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. Now remember, his mother is dead too. He alone, he's the only one from the mother of the one the father loved, and his father loveth him. See, they know that Israel loveth Joseph and Benjamin's mother more than Leah and the other wives. They know that it's obvious. It's not something Israel hid, which is one of the reasons why the brothers was jealous in the first place, especially when Israel brought out that coat <laughs> and gave it to, to Joseph. It's like, okay, yeah. Because <laughs> they not only had an issue now, you got to think about this. These brothers ruined that coat. They destroyed the coat. They didn't want it. <laughs> in fact, they made that if you can put yourself in the, well, I'll get to that part. Verse 21, and thou said unto thy servants, bring him down unto me that I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, the lad cannot leave his father. For if he should leave his father, his father would die. 
And thou said unto thy servants, except your youngest brother come down with you, you shall see my face no more. And it came to pass when we came unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, go again and buy us a little food. And we said, we cannot go down if our youngest brother be with us, then we will go down. For we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. And then Judah recounts Israel's confession. Because during this time when he says that, Israel speaks to his sons. He says, And thy servant my father said unto us, Now you know that my wife bare me two sons, and the one went out from me. And I said, Surely he is torn in pieces. Now, why would he say that? Because that coat was torn in pieces. <laughs> and I saw him not since. Now, Judah and his brothers made their father Israel believe that Joseph had been torn to pieces by a wild, should be a wild animal when they brought back Joseph's coat dipped in goat's blood. So they ripped it, killed the kid, goat, dipped the coat in blood, returned it to the father, and led the father to believe the boy had been killed, mauled to death by a wild animal. Going back to Genesis 37, verse 31, it says, And they took Joseph's coat and killed the kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. <laughs> And he knew it and said, it is my son's coat. An evil beast has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. This his father wept. For him, thus, while Judah's recounting this, you know, again, I'm putting myself in Judah's shoes, if I could, or his sandals. And I'm imagining if I did what he did, and I'm telling this story, what Judah may be feeling in the process of telling this story, because in his mind, Although Israel believed the boy was dead, they knew they had sold him into slavery. But they've also made his father believe and convinced his father believe that he was dead to where now they believe he's dead. But also knowing that if he's dead, it's because of what they did. And they're responsible. And so he's got to be feeling some sort of guilt for what they had done and could not stand the pain of seeing his father Israel go through that again if Benjamin did not return to him. So Judah had also placed himself as surety for Benjamin. If you remember in verse 29, and if you take this also from me and mischief before him, you shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now, therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass when he see that the lad is not with us, that he will die. Based on what my father's went through, and you got to understand, and this is why it's so important 
that we've gone through this process because Israel ha- have a problem with his sons. He has a problem with Simeon. He has a problem with Levi. He has a problem with the things they did in Shechem. He had a problem with the fact that Judah left. Judah went and married a Canaanite woman. He just left his brethren, and and now somehow he's back in the picture. You see, these things are, are happening. And although he doesn't have relationship with uh, Tamar, although he doesn't have relationship with her, he's still connected to those boys, those twins that she brought forth, plus his son that he didn't give to her. So all of this is going on. And thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. He, he knows that the thing that's keeping Israel alive is Benjamin. He's lost one son. He don't want to leave another one, lose another one, because he says, if I lose this one, I'm a dead man. Judah offers his servitude for the release of Benjamin to save Israel. By offering himself as a slave to Joseph and remaining in Egypt, Judah is making a decision that means he may never see his father, his brothers, or his children again. Verse 32, he says, For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. In verse 8, chapter 43, Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. Now, therefore, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad. So what is he saying? You got Benjamin, but who did, who did Joseph want? If he wanted Judah, he'd have put the cup in Judah's. But no, he put the cup in Benjamin's uh, sack. And so here's why I, I believe he wasn't expecting this. They got food. They got their money. They can go. He says, I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad. Abundment to my Lord and let the lad go up with his brethren. For how shall I go up to my father and the lad be not with me? Lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. And so here is an act of repentance on Judah's part. Because Judah know that he's the one who came up with the brilliant idea. But they were going to kill him. Reuben tried to save him. Judah said, well, instead of killing him, we get nothing out of this. Let's sell him. (laughs) And now here's where it brings us. Judah's gesture to offer himself as a slave in exchange for Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, in an effort to again save Israel was more than Joseph could bear. And next week, we're going to get into the message, Joseph, Lord of Egypt. We're going to see now Joseph can't contain himself for what Judah just did. Now, Judah is the one who gave himself in exchange because he was surety. 
And think about this. Joseph could have accepted Judah's offer and Benjamin and his brothers could have gone back down to Israel, their father. But we're going to see how this unfolds further next week. Now, I know you already know the story, but imagine you didn't know the story because your knowledge of the story keeps you blind to things that you can't see. And the reason why I took this approach is because from Joseph's point of view, from my perspective, all he was interested in was Benjamin. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free eBooks on our ministry website at ArthurBaileyMinistries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.